Cool, so I am um, doing the second talk of our series that Phil started last week called Unlocking the Kingdom, looking at Jesus' life in the book of Luke. And last week, Phil started by looking at the king and his kingdom. So looking at Jesus and the kind of kingdom that he brought, the kind of king that he was, the anointing he had by the Spirit. Um, So I want to carry on from that this week and look at kingdom authority, our kingdom authority as people of the kingdom. So just a little bit of a recap, looking at Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, an angel is speaking to Mary before Jesus is born, and he says this to her, You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. So God sent Jesus as a son to reign over his kingdom. But just a bit of a recap on the kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? You know, we use this word kingdom in church, and I think it's a word that, depending on your background or how how much you've been in church or different churches or not been in church at all or where you come from in life, the word kingdom can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so you might think uh, military or, you know, like a sovereign nation, kingdom of Tonga, that kind of kingdom. You might think, oh, you know, we're trying to vote people in to lead this kingdom like Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Um... It's nothing like that, thank God. Um, But actually, a clue to what the kingdom looks like, it's not about human strength and, and power and fortresses and military. A clue to what the kingdom is like is that Jesus, this king, was born in a smelly old food trough. He couldn't even get a room in the local motel. And then his life culminated in a death on a cross that was like reserved for criminals and humiliation. He was probably naked, dying on that cross. The whole thing is about his weakness and human weakness in God's strength. Of course, he is God, but he came to be a man, and the kingdom carries on like this. It's not about us being strong and trying to build this thing and trying to build a nation and keeping people out of this, this thing called the kingdom. It's about in our weakness, God's strength comes through, and he builds people up, and he brings restoration to the brokenhearted. So that should encourage you, because we're looking at our authority so if we're looking at our authority and it's our weakness and God's strength, you can, you can have a sigh of relief that it doesn't mean you have to be the strongest, the best, the smartest or the boldest. You just have to be weak and let God move through you. I find that really encouraging. <laughs> and actually, Hannes, I asked Hannes to pray for um, this Sunday. Hannes is really prophetic. And I said, why don't you get some words of knowledge or some prophetic things you feel like as for this morning. And the word he had was of a candle and it had burned down and it was a small candle, but it wasn't burning any lower. Is that right? And it's like, sometimes it's, that's like us. You know, we think we're the light, and we are, but we burn down, and then things happen, and we feel weak. But what Hannes felt was that that candle's not getting any smaller. And it's like, actually, as we lose our strength in ourselves, God is, is shining through us. It's okay to be weak, because God is the one who's strong. So what is the kingdom of God like? Well, the book of Isaiah helps us. It has so many key aspects that shows us what the kingdom's like. And actually, Luke quotes from Isaiah in um, Luke chapter 4. He quotes Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read this. Oh, I'm not going to put it on the, on the board, on the board, on the screen. So he quotes Isaiah 61 about himself in Luke chapter 4. And some of the things that come out of this about the kingdom are that it's about salvation and deliverance. It's about joy. It's about the favor of God. It's about comfort to those who are grieving, worship of God, restoration of broken people, and about healing. 
to see if you can pick up some of these things as I read it. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness and release from darkness for the prisoners. And in Luke 4, Jesus says, freedom of sight for the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's what the kingdom's about. It's about people being restored who are broken, being released from darkness if you're in prison, and God's favour coming on people. What an amazing kingdom that we get to be a part of. It's about God giving you his righteousness and his mercy. And in the kingdom, you always trade up. You always trade up. So you give away the right to your life. So you're leading your own life. You give it away. You say, God, I give you the right to be king of my life. And what does he do? He takes your sin, your grief, your pain, your sadness, and he gives you salvation. He gives you peace. He gives you joy. And he gives you healing. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we give away the right to our life. We also give away all the things that are holding us back and the things that burden us. And he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest and my yoke will be upon you. That's his kingdom of peace and joy. Doesn't mean it's always easy. And actually suffering comes with the kingdom. Those who, you know, the kingdom is full of good things, but it still comes with suffering. And even in our church family, you know, in the last few weeks, people are going through grief. People are still waiting for answers to prayer. People are still sick. And we, we carry that tension, but we know that the kingdom is coming. One day it's going to be here fully, and we get to taste of that now and bring as much in as we can before we go to heaven. That's our, that's our privilege. And, and God's kingdom broke in in the Old Testament, but really the fullness of it started breaking in with Jesus. And as Phil was saying last week, you can't really go very far in the book of Luke without just seeing miracle after miracle after breakthrough after the kingdom taking advancing steps. So in Luke chapter 4, Jesus starts his ministry and we see him cast out an evil spirit from a man in Capernaum, heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law from a high fever. The whole town hears about that. They rush to him that evening and all of them, it says, who came got healed and, and evil spirits came out of them. Jesus instantly heals a man who's suffering with leprosy, another man who's completely paralyzed and unable to walk gets healed, and a man's withered hand gets healed, and that's all before chapter 7 starts. And Jesus is doing this stuff. It's just time after time, healing after healing, miracle after miracle. That's the Jesus that we believe in. That's the Jesus we've been worshipping this morning. How lucky are we? <laughs> that's the Jesus who, anointed by the Spirit, brings in the kingdom and brings peace and joy wherever he goes. But my challenge this morning, really, is I think that Many Christians, including myself at times, we celebrate Jesus, we love the stories, we go, yeah, it's amazing, can't believe he could heal someone with a withered hand, and you know, we love that stuff. We applaud him, but sometimes when we look at our lifestyles, it actually shows that we believe that most of that stuff stopped with Jesus. And actually, it shows that our, our lifestyles kind of reflect that 
we don't fully understand, we don't fully grasp and believe the truth that he said in John 20, 21, when he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus is sending you. Just before that, in John 14, a few uh, chapters before, he says, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. Even greater things than these will they do because I'm going to the Father. That's a mind-boggling verse. <laughs> you know, being part of the kingdom is about knowing God as your Father and coming under His rule and His protection and then doing the stuff that Jesus did and being obedient to God. So Jesus commissions us to do the same as what he did. We're called to bring the kingdom in. All those great things that we just read about the kingdom, that's, that's ours. We're to be full of that and give that away wherever we go. That's the plan. The era that we live in is one where Jesus is the mighty king. And he sits ascended and he pours out his spirit on his believers so that they can go and do the stuff that he called them to do. And we see that in Luke chapter 9. So this is when Jesus calls the 12 and he sends them out. It says, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. He sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people don't welcome you, leave their town and shake <coughs> the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So, he sent, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So the twelve understood what Jesus had called them to do, and they went and did it. These were little Christs little Christians, and Phil, Phil was talking last week, it was really helpful. He said that Christ was not Jesus' last name. Actually, Christ means anointed one, one filled with the Holy Spirit, the chosen one. So when you're called a Christian, you're like a little Christ. That's your job. Your job is to be filled with the Spirit and do the same works as Jesus. So it's a paradox to ask the question, should Christians be Spirit-filled and do, work, do the works of the Spirit? It's in the name. <laughs> and speaking of little ones, little anointed ones, um, many of you will know Lucy. She's three years old, and uh, Maddie P and Becca said I could share this story. Was it this week or last week? A couple of weeks. Recently, she, um, she woke up, and she was having a cuddle with her mum in bed, and she just goes, Dear Jesus, I pray you, today you give mummy lots of money. And Becca's like, oh, okay, <laughs> lovely, you know, that's good. But it's not like they talked about money all the time. It's not a subject they were kind of talking about as a family. And Lucy just came out with this prayer. And then that night, some friends came around to the P's house and gave them an envelope full of money just when they needed it. And you think, what is that? Well, that's a three-year-old hearing the voice of God and being a kingdom bringer and praying prayers of the kingdom, and then God answers. That's like amazing. Three years. A little bit older than three years, but Phil Haddo, um, you know, <laughs> he, he, last week he shared a story about someone in the gym who had a, had a stroke and they were paralysed or, or weak down one side. 
And, um, and Phil was talking about how he's grappling with kind of like, oh, I've got to go pray for them. And, and then he went and prayed for them. Well, he, he was sharing with me again this week that another person walked into the gym who'd had a stroke and was weak down the left side. And Phil plucked up the courage again and prayed for them for healing in the gym. Was it? Amazing. So there's that, that stories like that are people who re- realize my job is to bring the kingdom. And everywhere they go, they've got a lens of like, I know I could be afraid, but hey, it's my job to see where God is breaking in. And I want to step in. I want to partner with that. I want to be obedient to God and see things change around me. So in the next chapter, Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus do the same with the 72. He said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out (coughs) two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And if you drop down to verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. That's amazing. So you see from verses like that, it's not just about Jesus doing it. It's not even just about the 12 apostles. The 72 also took seriously the commission that Jesus gave him, gave them. And actually, this is an all-believer thing. If you believe in Jesus, this is your commission, to go and share the gospel, to prophesy the heart of God, to pray for the sick and see them healed, to, to care for the poor and the needy and see them restored, to help people who are in practical need. All of these things are the calling of people who call themselves Christians. You know, that's a big challenge to me. That's what I want to do. And sometimes fear gets in the way. Sometimes just busyness gets in the way. And you're so busy doing, go from here to here to here to organizing this to dealing with kids that don't sleep at night or, you know, or working hard at your job. And then it's like, oh, you know, it can be quite distracting. Thanks, Mum. Thank you. <coughs> As you can see, the kingdom... We want the kingdom to come fully, but I'm preaching this morning, I'm not even feeling very well. But that's just, that's life. I want to press in for more, and Phil was praying for me for healing this morning, because we don't just go, oh, I'm sick, oh no. It's like, no, let's press in and and pray for healing. I guess my challenge to to us, to me, and to you is, if we catch this as a church, if we let the Spirit reveal this to us, if we allow ourselves to be people who are so filled with the Spirit that we want to just be under His drenching love and just give it away wherever we go. That really will change, change the communities around us. That will turn people in our workplace upside down as they encounter a love, a joy, and a peace that you only get through Jesus. You can't counterfeit that. It really will change the people we love around us. And I think I've shared this story before, but I just felt prompted to share it again. But I've got a friend called uh, Sarah who lives in England, and she's a supply teacher, or a relief teacher, if you, I think that's what you call it. And uh, a few years ago now, she was, she was called into a school, and she was said, they said to her, you need to take this year five class, and they're doing philosophy. I didn't even know kids that young did philosophy. And the, the title of the lesson was, Look at the Life of Jesus. <laughs> and she's like, well, I've been set up. I've been totally set up here. So she texted her friend and said, this is what's happening. Her friend texted back and said, well, let me know how many get saved. <laughs> and it was kind of like, ha oh. <laughs> so she, um, she was planning for this, and they were to do like storyboards about what Jesus did and talk about his life. 
And she started this lesson by talking all about who Jesus was, where he came from, why God sent him, uh, all the miracles he did. And she was quite surprised because the kids were hooked on what she was telling them. And I'm going to read a bit of what she said. I explained how, because I believe in Jesus, that means Jesus is alive in me. The Bible talks about how Jesus wants to bring God's kingdom to earth. Rather helpfully, I had just brainstormed this with a few friends on how to explain the kingdom to kids. Then I asked the question, do you want Jesus to show himself to you today? To which the whole class very excitedly said, yes. And I thought, what am I saying? <laughs> so I asked if anyone had pain or sickness in their bodies. A boy with a bruised hand piped up. So I asked the kid next to him to put his hand on the boys and pray. I prayed once, there was no change, and lots of the kids laughed. And I said, that's okay, let's pray again and see what happens. This time, I got all the kids to come around and put their hands on his and then repeat after me, Jesus, we thank you that you heal. Please reveal yourself to us. Please bring your kingdom here. We command pain and bruising in his hand to go in the name of Jesus. And the boy starts poking and hitting his hand and all the pain is gone. Then another kid asked me to pray for his ankle. After praying a few times, the pain was gone. Then I asked who else in the class wanted to be healed. Most of the kids put their hands up. I didn't realize kids had so much wrong with them. <laughs> so I got them to ask the person that needs healing closest to them where the pain is and whether they can lay hands on that area and get them to repeat after me. And they prayed a prayer. About half the kids that responded for healing were healed of various things ranging from back pain to knee pain to bruising that didn't hurt anymore. The other half complained that they weren't healed. I said, I have no idea why Jesus heals some, not others, but I know he loves to heal, so let's pray again. More children were healed. Some of those that weren't healed came up to me rather disappointed. I got the closest kid to us to lay a hand on someone and repeat a short prayer after me, and more things happened, such as this. A boy with a mouth ulcer came up and very bluntly complained that Jesus didn't heal him. I asked the kid next to him to pray, and he put his hand on the boy's shoulder. No, I asked him to put his hand on the boy's shoulder. He said, why not his face? Prodded him right in the ulcer and the boy winced. <laughs> kids, so good. So then the kid moved his hand to his shoulder and repeated a prayer commanding the pain to go after me. The first time the pain improves. I said, are you for real? He said, yep. And we prayed again for total healing. The boy sharply said, the pain is gone. Again, I'm like, really? He said, yep, it's gone. And I told him to check it out. He sticks his finger in his mouth, starts rubbing around his gum and declares that the ulcer has gone. So there's a few things, other things happen. Then, he says, then she says, at this point, I'm a bit nervous because the kids haven't done any of the storyboards that I was, I was meant to make them do. So I stopped the remaining kids, asked me to pray for them and said, come on, we've got to get on with this and start doing your storyboards. As the lesson was drawing to a close, I, re I was reminded of the text from my friend saying, let me know how many get saved. And I think to myself, no, can't do that, can I? <laughs> the next thing I know, I find myself saying to the children, Jesus showed himself to us today how many of you now believe in Jesus and want to accept him into your life? Lots of them said a very loud and confident yes. But I emphasize the fact it's a choice. They don't have to pray the prayer. But if they want to, they should close their eyes and repeat after me, accepting Jesus into their lives. They repeated it after me with such passion and conviction that it surprised me. And then she says at the end, I took a poll of who felt they were healed and who gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. Fifteen kids said they had been healed, and around about 17 had said they'd asked Jesus into their life for the first time. Wow. I mean, that is insane. Yeah, let's give God a round of applause. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I mean, that story 
That's a, a story that you might go, wow, could I ever do that? Well, that's what she thought. She was like, uh, you know, could this really happen? And she just took a step and then a step and then just to see what God would do. And God broke in and changed like many children's lives. And only in heaven will we know the full extent of that, just that one moment. It's amazing. God is calling us to be people who look past the fear and look past the, the busyness of life and go, could God do this? And just ask that question. Sometimes we think, what if God doesn't? Maybe the better question is, what if God does? What if I step out and amazing things happen for him and his kingdom breaks in? I love the story of Lucy because she's three and she's starting to get it. You know, she prays for, for money and it appears. Maddie P. and Becca told me yesterday that she was sticking her head out the window praying, Jesus, grow my carrots because she's got her carrots growing, you know? <laughs> like, that's great. That's childlike faith. And I've, um, I've been spending a little bit of time with Hannes this week. We've hung out a couple of times and I was just, we were down um, on the streets just praying for people on Thursday, me, Hannes and Phil, and, and we were just walking back and I said to Hannes, so how did you learn how to hear God's voice? Because I could see that he was hearing God really clearly. And I was like, that's amazing. How did, how did that start? And he said it was when he was around about nine, going down to the markets where we used to be under the canopies, we'd serve hot drinks. And, uh, and Hannes would go with Jenny, and they'd serve some drinks, then Hannes and Jenny would go off and treasure hunt. They'd write down clues or they'd say, walk around and say, what is God saying to, to me? And, and Jenny would be asking Hannes, what is God saying to you? And in that process of being out in the community, a nine or ten year old learns how to hear the voice of God. And then we were out on Thursday having lots of fun, weren't we? Just to see what God would do and, and praying for people for healing. There's no limit to this. It's actually just, are you, are you up for it? Are you willing? It's not about your smarts. It's not about, well, I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert, or any of that stuff. It's just, hey, we take Jesus seriously because he wants to do some amazing things and bring the kingdom through your life. Amen. And I just felt really, <laughs> for this morning, the main thing I wanted to do was just kind of excite um, a passion again in us. And really for those who um, have been a Christian a long while, and maybe you've been passionate about this stuff, and maybe you thought, wow, I just want to see God break in. You've got a vision for the kingdom of God. You've got a vision for the power of the Spirit and the amazingness of Jesus. But maybe you just feel through disappointments or distractions or busyness, you've just kind of like lost that, uh, that excitement that God could break in at any moment. And really, that's the group that I, I want to pray for. I put myself in that group. You know, we want to pray that God will, will reignite stuff in us and those of us who maybe never felt that calling to go, yeah, I could step into this. I want God's spirit to move, uh, move on me. So we're going to pray about that uh, quite soon. So get ready. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that people ask is they think that these gifts, you know, whether it's healing or hearing God's voice, they're just for some people. And, I, and some people talk about the gifts of the spirit a little bit like, what's God's one little gift for me? And uh, it kind of reminds me of like Scrooge, you know, kind of signing out or giving that one piece of coal, like, yeah, you can have one piece of coal on the cold night. And I think that's how we see God sometimes. I've got to find my one little gift, the one thing he's going to give me. We don't despise any gift that God gives, big or small, but actually the Bible says eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And God is not a, not a sadistic father who goes, eagerly desire it because you can't have it. He's saying, eagerly desire it because I'm willing to give you the gifts. It's every child of God's inheritance to hear the voice of their father. It's every child of God's inheritance to pray for the sick and see them healed. And sometimes, you know, like there, there are lists in the Bible that lift out different, list out different gifts, like the gift of healing. So in 1 Corinthians 12, um, it talks about the gift of healing. And there are other places like Romans 12 that lift, list out different gifts that the Spirit of God gives. 
And I think a really good way to understand um, these lists of different gifts is actually by looking at this one in Ephesians 4. It says, He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So actually, why does God give apostles and prophets and evangelists, and why does he give any gifts? It's to equip the saints for the works of service. It's to equip us. So you might be a really strong pr prophet. What's, what's your role as a prophet? It's to build foundations in the church and in churches, but it's also to equip the people of God to hear God's voice clearer and better. If you're apostolic and you've got a gifting to be apostolic, yeah, you've got to go do that stuff, and you've got to oversee the planning of churches and see the gospel reach un, unreached uh, groups and, and areas that need Jesus. But actually, it's your job to, to raise up a people who think apostolically, who think in a way that's ends of the earth, and God is going to break in in power, and he's coming back soon, so we've got to see the gospel go out of all nations. It's the same with the gift of healing. If you've got a specific gift of healing, yeah, you need to pray for the sick every time you get that opportunity. But it's also to train the whole church to pray for the sick and be equipped in that way. We want to equip everyone so that we can all reach the fullness of Christ as a body. Yes, people will be specifically gifted in areas, but it's to grow us in those things. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Are you eagerly desiring them like, in your life at the moment? I felt challenged just talking, just, just hearing a little bit from Tim about Mozambique and just the things that were going on. I've started reading the books, um, but Roland Baker, who's one of the guys that leads it with Heidi Baker, just the, the, the raw desire for Jesus. The raw, I want him and nothing else. I want to see him break in to every situation I'm in. And yeah, you might be called to the business world. You might be called to health or education. You might be called to be at home with your kids. Um, at the moment, you might be called to be in school at the moment, all those things. Those are giftings and callings God's given you, but over all of that, your calling is to see the kingdom come, to heal the sick, to prophesy, to share the gospel, to help those in need and bring peace and joy and freedom to those around you, regardless of your vocation or your calling or your career or whatever. We don't despise those things. We just realize they are a platform for you to see the kingdom of God come. And God sends us out to these different areas of the world because actually I can't reach the people that you reach and you can't reach the people that I'm reaching so God scatters us as the church to influence and to, to be a kingdom light to the people we meet. So maybe you have been a Christian for a while and maybe you've, you've, you've felt a passion. Maybe you've seen some amazing things happen for God. But maybe there's some of us here who just feel a bit disillusioned, a bit disappointed or tired with stepping out for God. Maybe you prayed for someone and they weren't healed. Maybe you yourself are just still battling long-term sickness or long-term disappointment that you still haven't seen breakthrough on. I just feel like God wants to recommission us this morning. He wants to, to lift our gaze. He doesn't want us to rah, rah, let's go and do it in our own strength. As I said at the start, it's our weakness, it's his strength. What we need to do is just sit under the Spirit and receive more of him, more baptism in the Holy Spirit and give away what we've been given. Sometimes when we go through stuff, whether it is uh, 
disappointment or just disillusion or even confusion. God, what happened there? I didn't even have answers for what happened in that aspect of my life. Sometimes what happens is, is you change your focus from I'm passionate about the kingdom, I'm passionate about God seeing, break, seeing God break in to something that you can control. It's like I've got that same passion, but I'm just going to change it to I want to grow a great ministry or I just want to, I want to do really well in my career and build a great career or that kind of thing. None of those things are bad, but sometimes our response can be the stuff that has out there in terms of seeing God break in and raw power. It's, sometimes it's, like, it's too hard, it's too, I got disappointed. So we limit our, our, what we'll try and go for in life, the things that we can control and things that we can really you know, push in our own strength. Now actually you can't grow a great career, you can't grow great ministries without his power, but sometimes we think we can, we can do that and, and focus on other things. I just feel God is just in the room and he wants to call us back to, hey, believe me for stuff that only I can do. I think Phil said it last week, if, you, if your vision for your life or the things you're trying to do in your life you can do in your own strength, then you're, you're probably missing the thing God's calling you to. Because by nature, we're out of our comfort zone. We're out of our resources. We're out of our ability to do stuff. And that's where God shows up and multiplies food or heals someone. And like Francis's hand, that's amazing. You know, it's like, could Francis do that himself? Could he will that to happen? No, that's God breaking in when Francis is obedient and says, hey, I want to see, see this cast come off. I just encourage you, I'm already standing, but if you just feel like, hey, I need to get re- recommissioned and revisioned to, to see the kingdom break in through my life, if you just want to stand with me, I'd just love to pray with you. Don't feel you've got to stand because you have to, but I just want to pray for those really who just want a, a fresh sense of, God, I want you to use me right here, right now.